Are you a fan of strengths tests? I have to say that up until now, they haven't been my first choice when working with individuals or with teams, largely because many organizations have people do the test, then categorize the individual to a particular type, and then leave it at that. Frankly, that kind of annoys me. We can do so much more with this information. Combine it with emotional intelligence and resilience training, for one. That's what's so wonderful about Your Best Self at Work by Drs. Benjamin Dilla and Joe Bennett. They put so much richness into the book to help us truly make the most of our strengths and understanding of what to do next with awareness and flexibility. Have a listen. Joel and Ben, it's so great to have you on the show. You know, I've been perusing the book and I know it just launched, which is an exciting and also traumatizing time. Uh, so <laughs> why don't you guys, you decide who goes first, but tell me what was the impetus behind this book? Well, I like to say uh, it started with a question for me. Um, it was really, uh, I've been interested in strengths for a long time and been promoting that in my coaching practice. I think the strength-based approach uh, works well with people that we should start from what is most unique and special about the individual. Mm. Um, I also do a lot of work um, both coaching and teaching in the arena of emotional intelligence. And I had this question about well, what's the what's the intersection of those two? How do they work together? Because uh, intuitively, I would expect there's there's some benefit there. And the answer was nobody was really looking at that. The, uh, the strengths people weren't talking about emotional intelligence and people working in emotional intelligence weren't really looking at strengths. Mm. Um, and I found no books, um, no research articles, a few blog posts where people might delve into the topic and that was about it. Uh, so, so again, intuitively, I thought there's, there must be something there uh, in terms of how strengths can support emotional intelligence, uh, because I think strengths uh, allow us to do anything we need to do. And likewise, emotional intelligence should help with the deployment of strengths because one of the uh, occasional criticisms of strengths is that people overuse them, right? They, they use them in situations where they shouldn't, uh, they become uh, just too much of a focus. And emotional intelligence ought to give someone the ability to discern uh, when they're overusing a strength. So that, mm. was, uh, that was the original impetus for exploring the topic. Thank you. And Joel, your perspective? Well, you know, Ben invited me. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I have my own, you know, journey that sort of brought me to Ben, I guess, um, that I can talk about, but it was really Ben who said, you know, this work on resilience that you're doing, um, that seems to fit here too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I think so. So he invited me to write a chapter. Uh, because of all our work on resilience, our research and training on resilience that you know about. I do. Um, and that's how, it, that's how it came. And wow, what a chapter. <laughs> 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 it was like, it can't just be a chapter. 
Um, it has to be more. Joel had great ideas for uh, some of the things we were talking about throughout the book mm -hmm. and suggestions on uh, some of the features that I'm most excited about. Um, end of chapter reflections, uh, the assessments that we've incorporated on the major concepts of strengths, emotional intelligence, uh, and resilience. Um, some of the resources that we provide at the back. Um, so he was a, a great help with, with all of that. Um, plus, I was a first-time author, and he has several books to his credit. So it was really nice to have a partner who had experienced all of that and could be kind of a guide through the, uh, the underbrush <laughs> of getting a book out the door. <laughs> I have a visual now of Joel guiding you through the underbrush. With his but, machete. <laughs> with a yeti. A machete or a yeti. I'm not sure which. <laughs> you know. Probably a yeti. My my first impression when Joel was like, oh, you, this, you're going to love this book. It's going to be so great. And I was like, it's about strengths. And I had this big pause. Because yeah. for me, I get invited into corporations to do mindfulness and emotional intelligence and resilience training and the first thing that, that HR says is, so which strengths test do you use? And I say, I don't. Partially because they don't want to know how to do anything with it. They just want to do the test and walk away. Uh -huh. And especially in the old days with emotional intelligence, that's what they thought emotional intelligence was. You know, oh, we're going to do a 360, we're going to find out about you, and you're going to put it in a drawer, and everything's good, and we've checked our box. Yes, I've often said the only thing I don't like about emotional intelligence is that we call it an intelligence, which implies that it's a fixed asset, right? Right. You have what you have, and that's it. So why should I bother thinking about it? Um, just tell me, tell me how much I have, and that's that. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need to know is, you know, please quantify me and, and let me go back to work. But that's not what it is, right? Fortunately, the research would show that these are skills that people can get better at. Mm -hmm. um, there's documented evidence that would say we, we can grow, we can change our behavior, we can grow those skills. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit, because there's some examples in the book where it's, okay, you took the strengths test. Now what are we going to do with that information? And so I think that's really the core for me is let's get past that. And what do we do with that? And how do we use that to grow? Because I think that's really, that's key. Yeah, I, I'm going to put a little spin on that before, because we're, this, this is uh, being recorded at a time when people are struggling with this whole idea of return to work. And do employees really want to go back to work? And do employers know what they're going to be able to do with regard to hybrid and uh, virtual? And, and so I'm coming back to your question, but I just wanted to pull that piece in because yeah. it's not about the measurement. It's not about the assessment. Not even in some ways about strength. It's really about uh, employees sensing that the employer cares and uh, show me that you care, make this an experience for me that allows me to grow, right? And 
that allows me to learn what my best self is. Mm -hmm. So instead of like focusing on measurement or focusing on which strength test you use or emotional intelligence, it's more of an opportunity to have that conversation. And I, that's to me the most important thing. It's, a, it's an opportunity to have a conversation about how can we make this a journey that, that optimizes your talents, which will ultimately help me as an employer. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted to make sure we segue through, through that, if that was okay. Thank you. Yes, I, I'm, and I would piggyback on that to say we start with who is the person at the core, and I, I think uh, strengths do a good job of capturing that. Mm -hmm. Most of your major strength assessments are personality-based, uh, so they're taking not what's average or typical about the person, but what's most unique, what's, what's most outstanding about the individual that really defines how they approach things, how they interact with others, and so on. So, so we start from that, but we say we all have room for growth and development. And that's the, the skills of emotional intelligence. And if we're going to do that over the long haul, we also need resilience. We need that ability to go through difficult things and, and bounce back and grow beyond. And um, that's, that's uh, what I loved about the work that Joel was doing with resilience to, uh, to take this even further. Yeah, I think, I think it's really essential that we do take it further. Um, I've done a lot of tests because I, I love taking them and exploring what I know about myself today, but it doesn't do me any good to know it unless I'm going to do something with it. And I think that's something that managers, leaders, HR people need to understand is that once you take the test, it's like, okay, let's look at that. So let's pick Ben, I'm going to give it up to you to pick a particular strength and let's build on that and see where we can go with it as far as coaching an individual on how to be their best self. Okay. Um, well, I'd love to take learner because it's my number one strength, but that's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy to talk about learner because you can, you can apply that to learning virtually anything. Um, kind of my favorite though. <laughs> you like that one? We, uh, I love it. So, so learner resides in a in a realm uh, that we call uh, strategic thinking, or you know, kind of the analytical, reflective skills. Um, where that lines up with emotional intelligence would seem to be in the area we call self awareness. Mm -hmm. That if if I have a knack for learning, I probably have some reflective capabilities uh, that, that give me the ability to to know. Uh, who I am, what my strong points and weaker points are, and uh, to apply that in the emotional realm. Doesn't, doesn't mean by nature I have a, have a great understanding of emotion, but it means I can take those skills and apply it in that realm mm -hmm. uh, of self-awareness. And that's really fundamental to everything else about emotional intelligence. If we, if we don't understand uh, and have that awareness of our own emotions, how are we ever going to, to manage our emotions or um, have awareness of what's going on with others? Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much, for me anyway, there's so much emotion attached 
to being a learner. There's ego attached to being a learner, but -hmm. there's also that satisfaction, that growth, that understanding of self um, as we grow and as we learn. Yeah, so, so the further application of that is it can't be just about me, right? It's, it's more than having self-awareness. Um, it's, it's taking what I know about myself and also applying that in my interactions with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I develop a better understanding of my own emotions, hopefully that also gives me the ability uh, to perceive and understand and deal with emotions that, that others might be feeling and to, to use it uh, in an interpersonal uh, sense as well. Yeah, that sense of awareness is, hello, be aware, lesson number one. You know, just be present, pay attention, and, you know, we can't really lead others or even work for others if we don't have that level of emotional intelligence where we're aware of what's going on around us. Right. So how does that knowledge tie us into resilience, Joel? Wow. Well, that's an easy one because that's learning, right? Because we don't, we, we define resilience as, as uh, not just bouncing back from stress, but learning from the stress, right? That's, that's our core definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why we don't even talk about resilience anymore in our work. It's resilience to thriving, right? Lifting that set point. And, and so learning is inherent in resilience. You can't, if you're all you're doing, I, I say this over, if all you're doing is bouncing back all the time. You're not learning anything, right? <laughs> and, and so that's the one piece. The emotional piece, though, is the most compelling because especially with regard to getting triggered, uh, mental health uh, pitfalls, and uh, emotional dysregulation, which I experience on a daily basis. I I like to use this phrase, I am um, uh, uh, allergic to humility. (laughs) And uh, what, what that means is, Going back to your comment about ego, right? If you're a real learner in the deepest sense, then those moments when you fly off the handle, take things personally, react to your spouse, get angry at your child, ruminate about how your boss is an asshole when you need to leave this freaking job, and all the emotional stuff that happens from COVID, right? and you're sitting around swirling in this because your husband's drinking too much or whatever it happens to be, right? That that people don't talk about. That's really where the learning happens. And, um, and that's not easy for most people. Like those, those, when the shit hits the fan in our life, you know, we kind of muddle through it move along and we kind of compartmentalize it. But do we really learn until we keep, until it keeps happening over and over and over and over again. And then we think, oh, I need to pick up a call and call, phone and call a therapist. I need to pick up the phone and call a counselor. And so this, the best self at work also means having to embrace the worst self 
when you're not at work. (laughs) And so resilience, you know, it's not the strength about being strong. It's not even about emotional intelligence. It's more about having a willingness to be humble and the grace that, you know, I really don't know. I'm really at a loss. I am broken, you know? And then being able to work through that. So right. it's almost like the, the corporate world has focused so much on this EQ and strength stuff. And to Ben's credit and his you know, research on the strengths, there's a whole area of emotional neuroticism and emotional instability that corporate world doesn't even go near. They don't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Uh, and they keep their distance from it, you know? But they encourage it. Emotional instability? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. well, not only that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> encourage it. The conditions of, of the workplace don't allow people to really process and work through it, right? right? You don't do that here. So this is the problem. And I, I have to talk about mental health because that's the work. Because that's really the segue to resilience, that... How can you have all this strength and emotional intelligence if you're not really doing the deeper personal work? That's my mm-hmm. question. Well, the, the parallel with what we were talking about earlier, if you, if you start from those thinking skills, um, strengths like learning, um, analytical ability, and so on, you apply that to yourself uh, to, to create that sense of self-awareness. Um, Joel has this wonderful model and resilience with the five C's. And one of the C's is centering. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that self-awareness allows us to be centered, uh, which then uh, enables us to be able to show compassion and get involved in community and, and all the other uh, all the other C's that uh, that involve us interacting with others. Mm-hmm. Compassion is so centering is yes and. And so, but, but, but the compassion is really the, the basis here for mm-hmm. through, through work. Because yeah, so in light of the times that we're in right now, <clears throat> um, when people are just totally freaking out about what's it going to be like going back into work, uh-huh. um, there's so many pressures right now for a leader because they have stress too but let's say they've only got a staff of a hundred that they're going to be coming back into the workplace and managing i have a a big thing about the difference between empathy and compassion and how empathic distress is something that we are all going to be drowning in if we don't understand the difference and that is that empathy is feeling the feels, but compassion is when we can take action to help that person in whatever way. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Just for love starters? That. I love that distinction. I've also heard some people will distinguish between empathy, understanding the feelings of others, and sympathy, where we get drawn into the emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like this idea of um, you know, we, we understand it, but we, we take action. Uh, we act upon what we know and um, approach it in a positive way. Yeah. Compassion is really empathy in action. 
-hmm. right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and I also think it's a sense of distance. You know, the problem with being incredibly empathetic is that we end up carrying all those feelings with us. Yeah. And it can really lead to a lot of just incredible weight on our shoulders. But with compassion, I feel like we can step back a little bit, get a perspective on, I see the problem, now what can I do? And I really believe that that action gives us a lot more strength and a lot more opportunity to be able to help people. And, and you're saying that that's something that employers, I think is what you kind of step the stage with the question. Mm -hmm. Employers are, are going to be struggling with how to do that. Is that what you're... Yeah, I think they absolutely are because, you know, Everyone has been impacted in the last two years in some way that has made change in their lives. Some of them are not going back to work at all. There's all kinds of, just all kinds of trauma that's happened. And I think that understanding what our strengths are when we walk back into the office and how we can use those strengths to bring compassion forward and to create an environment that people are going to want to be in because right now, if they don't want to be in it, they're going to leave. Yeah. There, there's so much, again, resilience in part of that. So I think the key thing for employers is again, show us that you care, mm -hmm. right? Let's stop. Let's do the empathy part first. I'm an, I am a employee. I want to know that you care. So at least show me some empathy. At least have some communications out there that recognize that I have been through a lot, just like everyone else has. Don't just throw a mental health resource at me or you know, a new virtual schedule, but actually show me through your words and communiques that you care. Just mm -hmm. at least show the base empathy first and foremost. And don't do it at the last minute. Don't do it next week before you bring me back to work. Right. So that's, the, that's one piece. Uh, the other piece is, as you know, we talk a lot, a lot about the journey of resilience and the resilience story. And it's a great opportunity, uh, personality. Every, I, I used to teach personality theory. And if you look across many different theories of personality and what makes someone unique, the story is everything, whether it's Jung's individuation or Henry Murray called it FEMA or, you know, uh, like uh, Michael Mead's work on inner genius, um, narrative, you know, whatever it is, that we've all been part of this. Mm -hmm. And so the... The empathy can also frame things that, you know, we have been going through a resilience story together. You know, uh, one of my friends, Ben knows, Deb Smolensky talks about every journey has our in it, right? Mm -hmm. O-U-R, right? And so it's sort of like creating that frame of, you know, it's not a transactional relationship. I'm your boss, you're the employee but rather it's, we're all going through this together and I care about it and I want you to know, even if you can, 
here's what I've gone through as an employer. Here's what I've had to suffer through, right? Mm -hmm. not, not to say that I'm uh, better than or worse than, but that I'm also vulnerable, right? Goes back to the humility thing. Mm -hmm. And from there, ask employees what they want. Oh, what a concept. <laughs> and that, instead of just administratively from a top-down perspective, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. You start creating the dialogue and the conversation and then they can take real empathy and action, that mm -hmm. compassion, because it's not just coming from some, you know, insurance broker's idea about what a mental health benefit would look like, but yeah. it's actually what employees are telling them they want. And that takes, that's, that's what I mean by um, allergic to humility, because not many employers are willing to take the time and energy to do that. No, but I don't no. know anything else that works, really, in the long term. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hate the word authenticity just as much, but it actually applies. <laughs> but I will point out to you, Joel, that uh, taking that action to ask people what they want, that's not empathy, it's compassion, because it's active. Yeah. And I and think that's... Don't forget that, right? Going back into... Uh, an office environment back into a workplace. I'd like to think that's one of the positive lessons coming out of COVID is there were, I think there were a lot of leaders who explicitly or implicitly uh, wanted people to compartmentalize, right? Mm -hmm. so check your emotions at the door. There's no room for that here. Well, we couldn't deny it in the work from home environment. No. Uh, you, you can't, uh, you can't put up those walls when, uh, kids are at home um, and need help with, uh, with their schooling. Uh, when you're all living under the same roof, you know, you just can't expect people to um, leave all that behind because it's right there. It's in the next room or <laughs> maybe coming into uh, the room that they're, that they're working in. And um, so I'd, I'd like to think we, we uh, some of these leaders have gained in their empathy skills and their awareness of what's going on in the lives of uh, people on their team. Uh, and, I, and I hope we carry that back into the workplace together. Yeah, I do too. I hope that, you know, it, I talk a lot about how if this had been one month or three months, we wouldn't have seen this radical transformation, but we are seeing it. And so now the question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we just going to try to go back to work, you know, the same old way? Are we going to divide people or are we going to unite them as a community? And how do we do that? And what strengths does it take to do that? What do people need to be developing right now? if they don't already have it. Well, you know, it's so interesting you said that. How do we do that? On page 188 of the new book, <laughs> it gives 50 tips for just this thing. Our, our 50 tips for uncertain times. I love that. Isn't it interesting you would ask that very question? <laughs> Shocking. You'd think I'd like seen the book or something. <laughs> but really it is, you know, people are going to want those very specific things, because they're going to come back to work and they're going to realize they're in crisis again, even if they didn't know it 
before they went back to work. They're thinking they're going back to the same old, same old safe haven. It's not going to be there. So, you know, what, let's, let's talk about some of those tips. Joel, are you reading the list so you can come up oh, with them? Because well, I'm know, demanding. We can have fun here. We can either roll the dice or we can keep a number from one to 50 and uh, play it that way if you want. 22. 22. What is it? 22. <laughs> okay. Uh, tips for emotional intelligence. So we break these down into tips for uh, ongoing growth and tips for strengths, tips for EI. So this is tips for emotional intelligence, general tip. Mm. Get to know the best in emotional intelligence. Consider others who do well with different aspects of emotional intelligence. So Ben can talk more about this, but there's the self-awareness part. Uh, I alluded to self-management when I talked about reactivity, mm -hmm. uh, social awareness, right? And then the fourth category is relationship management. So what, what one of the things that this tip is about is know who it is in your life, personal life, professional life, who do well in any one of those four areas. So for example, Ben mentioned centering, which is really about that self-management, right? Mm -hmm. So anyone you know who really is, you never see them freak out, maintain their cool, you know. Um, and, and it says, learn from them, observe their behavior. And if you have the opportunity, ask them to describe how they deal with different situations. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the tips is to bring it out into the group. And actually, one of the things that I think we recommend is to have a simple emotional intelligence assessment tool and use that as a way to have a discussion about the, the uh, relative EI strengths, if you will, in the team and ask people to say, well, yeah, you know, you are really good at social awareness. You know, I always, I'm flirtatious. I always say the stupid thing, but you always seem to say the right thing. Mm. And how do you do that? You know, um, so that's, and I'll let you comment more on, on that tip. Well, it's great because really all these things are best applied in a team context. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, it's great to look at it individually. It's uh, wonderful for me to know my strengths and uh, to understand emotional intelligence and grow those skills and uh, study resilience and work on the practices, the five C's. Um, but we're social beings, um, and and this best occurs in a social context. So I hope those are the kinds of discussions teams are uh, going to have coming back into the office together, you know, whether they use a formal assessment or just talk about the experience that they've had and where they are today. Because um, you're right, none of us is equally good at, at all the facets uh, of, say, emotional intelligence. Um, or when we talk about the five C's, that's one of the things we typically do with a group of people. We say, who in this group is best at centering or who, you know, who is the most compassionate individual? What can we learn from them? Yeah, I love the idea of making it a collaborative conversation, you mm -hmm. know, and being able to go, oh, we need to give this to Sally because she's the one that can do, you know, she's the strength in our group but also to be able to learn from each other because, you know, that's the whole part of team 
is, you know, pulling people together and, and thinking of it as a sense of community in which you collaborate. Yes. I mean, it's great when you have someone who's strong at a certain aspect, but we, we shouldn't just rest on that. Right. There's something each of us can learn from that and get a little bit better ourselves. Yeah. And that's how we grow together. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the, the, this is a very specific tactical thing, right? And I think your, your question at the beginning of this segment was how, or how can we navigate back and how can we, and I think it's not one tactical tip, right? It's, it's continually doing it. It's well, there's 50. What? There's 50. Well, there's, <laughs> I mean, there, but there are others too. The yes. point is that, that it, it's almost like, and I, I probably shouldn't say, it doesn't matter whether this what we're talking about and uh, your best self to work, right? What matters is you something to open up the conversation. Yeah. And you're using something to keep the conversation going and you're using that to create a culture where we're not hiding anymore uh, from the vulnerabilities that are, are significantly impacting not just health, but also productivity, right? Right, right. And whatever that catalyst is, it's welcome in a time when we're all going to be in turmoil. Yeah, and I think it's more important. There's not a, people who are going to throw out for the workplace, do that for the workplace. I think everyone, and from our work, you know, working with different clients, every workplace is unique. Each organization is its own journey. So instead of coming up with a template fix, is to come up with a, a, a dialogue and to have somebody who can shepherd dialogue and make the container for it. Um, and so a book club is a great way to do that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Because <laughs> really it is, let's, you know, let's grab something that we can all discuss. You know, how are we going to go forward with this? How are we going to reinvent after a huge disruption what we're doing to go forward to make it better? And that's really what we all want is to take the disruption and use it as a tool to improve our work life. Definition of resilience. <laughs> Such an easy way to start, though. Let's read something together uh, that hits upon a theme that uh, we all agree has value. Let's come together and talk about it, share our perspectives, um, and then do something with it, right? Let's, uh, let's take that and put it into action in some way. Mm -hmm. And that gives everybody a common understanding, too. You know, it's, yes. um, yeah, it's book club, good idea, folks. So, you know, listen to these guys. Let's do a book club. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know people out there who might be listening to this, I always like to anticipate the, the naysayer, you know, and uh, so there's a lot of doom and gloom uh, narrative that's been around for the past, whatever, four years, whatever you want to call it, and uh, five years or whatever. And so this is like really 
instead of listening to social media and all the negativity uh, and all of the uh, comments about the economy and the vaccine, right? It's like, let's focus in and make it different. Mm -hmm. let's, let's build a protective barrier around narratives that really don't serve our best self. And, and that's what we're trying to do here is give people a tool and toolkit so that they can not just, not about changing quote the narrative, but coming back to what their original organic innate strengths are. I mean, that's the one thing about the personality literature here. And we do have research notes that there is some indication that some of these strengths are genetic. You know, everyone has a set of strengths that didn't come out of just nowhere. It's not completely genetic, but it, the point of that is, is that we're wired to be strong. We're wired to be resilient and we're wired to express our inner genius in our own unique way. And as an employer myself, one of the most exciting things for me is seeing the unique strengths of an employee come out. Mm -hmm. And like, I could never have done that. Or thank God you're here, you know? <laughs> and so that, that's a wonderful thing to cultivate rather than, should I put you in a cubicle or should I put you, you know? <laughs> well, what we know about transitions is it's an inflection, right? It's an opportunity to do things differently, not just go back to the same old, same old way of doing things. Um, and I think that's that's the opportunity here uh, as people come back to the workplace. Because in any transition, there are new things to be learned. Um, there are things to bring along with you and there are things to leave behind. And the extent to which we can be intentional and purposeful about that, uh, we can make it a much more meaningful and much more positive uh, transition. Yeah, intentional and purposeful is something we really need right now. Mm -hmm. And having some kind of a framework, a structure, whatever you want to call it, in order to get started so that we don't go back to the same old, same old and step out of it because now we have new opportunities and new tools. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and if you do a book club, make sure you bring in free vegan food. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm serious. You've got to, there's a, there's a health and wellness part too, right? So that you're bringing people together and then, you know, it's, remember that's what we did. We, we haven't had time to gather, right? Yeah. And culture is food, food is culture. We have a chance now to reset the table, right? And mm -hmm. uh, offer <laughs> free uh, and options no food actually make it healthy vegetarian raw oh yeah uh, with hummus lots of hummus yeah. thank you joel that's yeah no but i really it is you know having a town hall idea having thinking of work as a place where there's community because we've been missing that not all of us i'm an introvert i like being at home but lots of people are just dying to get back into the workplace because it's the environment that they thrive in. So 
helping them to thrive and doing that with a sense of togetherness is going to be really crucial. Yeah. And I concur, bring food. You know, there's something <laughs> about there's something about sharing food or breaking yes. bread together that uh, breaks down some of the walls, I think. And people just are, are more open, more relaxed. Um, plus, it's an experience we've missed now for a while. You know, Ben, we're having a book signing. And Ben, I'm going to try and take the logo from the cover of the book, this color triangle that we have, you know, and get a baker to put it on vegan cupcakes. Like, you know, take the image and then serve these cupcakes. People will, I don't know, what do you think? I like it. Bring He's out going your, with it. You had me at cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we'll put cream. In the, so the, it's, an, it's an analogy. We'll put this wonderful cream in the middle of the cupcake. And when you bite into it, you bring out your best self at work by biting into the cupcake. And it... it you're cracking me up. I had, we just, you know, I'm not getting hungry. I know it's not late. I'm, I'm not, dinner's not a <laughs> Oh my gosh. <clears throat> it has been such a pleasure to speak with both of you. And, you know, I've known Joel for quite a while. And um, I'm one of his students, in fact. And uh, awesome. gosh. Thank you for this conversation. Do you have any last thoughts that you want to share? I will share how to get the book, all of that in the blog post. But if you have any last... Well, the world needs to know about your YouTube, um, you know, talk that you gave, the TED talk you gave. How is that at all related to this? Maybe It's all could... about resilience. <laughs> how would you... Now, let's go back to you for just a second. I'm not going to let you get... How did you tie in your work to anything you've been talking about? Well, I really think that, you know, I do work, I coach, I mentor, you know, there are a lot of people who think about their strengths and what their not strengths are, but there isn't really always a plan as to how are we going to get there and how does that make me feel? You know, I like to combine that emotional intelligence. I like to combine what's the emotion attached to what we're doing so that we can step away from the analytics that's my creative side. My right brain side is saying, okay, let's connect that. And that's a really important part of my work. And, and I believe it is of yours as well. You know, I, I love that. You know, um, Richard Davidson's book, The Emotional Life of the Brain, and his work on emotional styles, another tie in here, because one of the emotional styles is resilience. Mm. And there's others too. So, I think what you just shared is so important that our brains are not just wired to process information, right? And I think you said that at the very beginning, just don't measure me and tell me what to do, right? And I think what we're opening up here to your point is that human beings are emotional beings, mm -hmm. right? Um, and well-being being, right? Uh, not thinking. So I'm applauding what you do and would love to keep the conversation going with you because people have had so much difficulty with emotions and um, our way is just one way and, and I just want everyone to be aware 
that your message is important too, or as not just two, but you know, it, it's the <laughs> bottom line that we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable. I'm only human. I tell my wife every day. There you go. I would come back to the theme of collaboration. We, we've talked about it, but you know, the book was a collaborative effort. I'm so grateful to Joel for being a second author with me and uh, really helping the book to be so much better than it would have been had it just been me writing it. Um, I mean, we talked about the importance of that in the workplace, that these ideas, um, the principles of strengths and emotional intelligence and resilience are, are best developed and exercised in a social context. Yes. And, you know, and meeting you today and having the opportunity for this interaction, we have potential for greater future collaboration, which is, which is really wonderful. Um, and to have the, uh, <laughs> have the involvement with your listeners as well. So we look forward to what that might be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely welcome that opportunity and, and I hope that people do dig into the book and see, you know, bring these guys into your Zoom meetings, into your offices to figure out how to really make this work together. You know, when we all come together and we bring all the different facets of what our environment looks like and what our team looks like, we're stronger, we're better. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for Good joining us. And goodness. Thank you, Jenna. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Mindful Social. It's been so great to see the subscriptions growing and the feedback has really helped me make the show even better. So if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, email me at Janet at JanetFouts.com and please send me feedback there too or post a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Oh, and do me a favor, share this show on social media or with a friend. Thank you.